Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, we are delighted to have uh, Sam Stone in studio with us. Uh, Sam is a political political consultant in town. He also hosts his own radio show, heard here every Saturday at 3 p.m., Breaking Battlegrounds, and uh, super active, uh, informative, and fun Twitter feed, at Sam the Paul, P-O-L. Sam, good to see you, brother. You too, Seth. And yeah, folks, if you don't like having the uh, the proverbial thing stirred... <laughs> don't don't go on my Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah. If you do, yeah. you're welcome because yeah. you're going to have fun. Yeah, you're going to have fun and you might not always agree, but it'll make you think. And um, and uh, from a from a from a conservative perspective that is deeply. Informed. Well, and, and you, you have to understand me out there, folks. I grew up in uh, first Boston and then upstate New York in the 80s. Um, so here's the thing about people who grew up in that part of the country at that time. Our version of love involved multiple mama jokes yeah. and plenty of insults yeah. and the occasional fist fight. Yeah. And that's how we did it. Now, my Twitter feed is pretty much my childhood brought to bear on modern politics. Yes. So I'm, I apologize in advance, folks, but I have as much fun with it as I possibly can. And I like ticking people off. It is what it is. If you want to get a sense of that culture, it's probably pretty well represented by uh, that movie, The Departed, with Matt Damon. Oh, it's it's brief. Beautifully and brutally represented yeah. by The Departed. Yeah. That's, that is really spot on yeah. point for a lot of the way we interacted right. with each other. Right. Um, and, and, That's too strong for you. We could have the one with Robin Williams, right? Uh, the first, Matt Damon's first movie. Oh, the, the – um, Can't think of it. Oh, for, for, for goodness, goodness sakes. sakes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, one, it's like one of the most famous movies of yes, all time, Matt, uh, Damon's Matt Damon, right, yeah. Robert Williams. But that Williams, gives it to yeah. you as well. That uh, ben movie. Affleck and his usual right. wooden performance. Right. <laughs> he is wooden. Oh, my goodness. That guy has exactly one and a half facial expressions. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah, I know. But did you see him in – Matt, him and Matt Damon in the new Nike movie yet? I, I have, and it was brilliant. He was actually good in that role because he fit the front. He, he was his performance. Night, yeah, his performance was the worst of the cast. Yeah. I thought, and uh, yet, it always is. He's always the worst actor. Yeah, in well, every that's movie. kind of a given, but. It wasn't as bad as his normal performance because he sort of fit Phil Knight. They didn't an, give him a lot of air yeah, well, time. Well, Phil, Phil Knight's sort of a wooden oddball, yeah. too, so it yeah. kind of fits. It was a good movie. I mean, it was a really it's a good movie. great movie. If folks haven't seen it, it's on yeah. Prime Video right now. It's also still in theaters. The problem really is I hate Nike. But Nike but, yeah, but uh, the, the, as you texted me, you the, sound, that, you the know. soundtrack for yeah. that movie was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. The shooting of it, I don't know where they got all those nice 80s cars, but I want them all. Yeah, do Holly, when Hollywood does these retro movies, The Departed would, would have been one, I suppose, too. Um, do they recreate these cars, or is there some big 100-acre oh, no, so lot somewhere that just th- collects there, memorabilia? There is a giant— there is. There is a giant resource, I, and probably multiple of them, but yeah. I know of at least one that yeah. rents like all—you know, they have— Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples of all the cars from the sixties, rotary the 70s phones, and the 90s. yeah, all that stuff, right? You Pac-Man, get all that stuff. Pong, 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 video games or whatever they. Call you, it. you know the the time uh, when life was simpler and, quite frankly, yeah. more fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I was talking about that the other day. Let me bring it up to modern speed and politics with you. Uh, I don't know if you saw Joe Biden's ad or if we talked about his ad that was attempting to for his presidential reelection, recreate the Ronald Reagan ad from 1984, Morning in America. I, I have seen it, and I only slightly threw up in my mouth trying to watch it. Yeah, okay. it does that a little to you, yeah, doesn't it? It does. You get that it's, little... What's really cringy, mm-hmm. because, I mean, first off, the Ra- we're, 
I remember seeing Reagan's ad. It's you know, I mean, I was five five years old, but I I remember I seeing Reagan's seen. ad. It ran so much and that kind of thing. But it also was that ad was Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. It fit exactly who he is. Mm-hmm. Now we have this angry, confused old man in the White House, and he's trying to claim that mantle, and it doesn't work at all. I mean, you know, the the problem with Joe Biden and you know, if you go back five, ten years, he wasn't this, you know, I mean, he he, was, he lied a lot. He's always lied a lot. Um, yeah, it threw him out of the 88 presidential right. race. Yeah. But he was cogent. He right. could make sure. actual points. Yeah. He had ideas. I mean, you know, what we're dealing with now is, is a, a marionette, a caricature, a shell. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad watching it. But when they try to present him as this magnanimous father figure uniting people, I mean, come on. You know, look, this is a guy who who spoke out repeatedly against gay marriage in the Clinton years, right? right. And then he comes out and gives a speech where he's talking about when he was a teenager or a child. Yeah. His dad he was already yeah. pro-gay love. Yeah. Yeah. I, come on. Well, you this know, is a man who hung around with Southern segregationists yeah. and uh, opposed. This is, this is, this is opposed, a guy who was a yeah. friend of Robert Byrd. I That's mean, right. you know that this guy is James really Eastland, the whole group, the whole crowd. He, he of has them. never been a good person. No. Um, and what we found out about the corruption lately right. um, put, cast him to me in a different light than I saw him. I, 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 I regret. Yeah, I know the. Um, I regret the person we have in the White House now because it's not Joe Biden. It's it's like I said, it's a shell. But um, that really I found very offensive. The, yes. Uh, let me come back. Let's bookmark that issue of, of, of him being a shell of a man. Let me stay on the 1984-2024 thing for a moment because one of the offensive things of that with that ad, but also one of the kind of culturally instructive things about it is – Joe Biden's ad, which is called The Flag, just so you don't miss the Americana or the imagery, it starts with a young girl hoisting a, an American flag on, on their front portico of a house, which is interesting. You combine that with Brittany Griner now being proud to stand for the national anthem, even though she led the uh, refusal to stand for the national anthem. You get this weird politicalization of patriotism. It's now okay to be a patriot. It's now okay to stand for the national anthem. It's evidently now okay to put flags in your front yard uh, when it wasn't, when it was a Republican president. This is the politicalization of politics. But the rest of Joe Biden's ad, it's, it, it, it shows a very, a, a very dark underbelly of America that I don't think represents America, but I think shows you what Democrats think of what America is. It's just very bitter and very negative. You got none of that with Morning in America. No, you got you got none of that. And I, I actually, I, I have to disagree a little bit. Um, I don't think that the left thinks it's okay. I, I don't think they think patriotism and American pride and spirit are okay. I don't think they believe that for one second. But I think what they do believe is in their politicians saying absolutely anything to get elected because then they'll go along with the extreme far left agenda. So, you know, look, we got Joe oh, I Biden. I accept what you're saying. I agree yeah. with what you're saying. We, we got Joe Biden for the specific reason that he was not uh, AOC. He was not Bernie Sanders and even not Hillary Clinton, right? Mm-hmm. That this was a moderate middle of the road guy. That's what we saw. That's what the public was sold. Now, people who are astute observers knew that was never the truth. But that's what the public perception was. And I think the far left 
has actually gotten really happy with this. I mean, frankly, I think they're much happier with the Biden administration than they thought they would be sure they because are. it's doing exactly what Bernie they want. Sanders said as much. Right, because because Biden, you know, he's not there. It's a bunch of staffers and his wife and and a bunch of crazy Obama people guiding this, doing things that Obama himself would never have dared to try to do. Um so I really think that is just something it 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 ties to um, it ties to a lot of what's going on in this country right now with the ability of both politicians and the press to just straight up lie to the American public without consequence. Yeah, that's what I want to come back to as well. But this is what I mean by the politicalization of patriotism. And to prove the point further, your point, my point, I think, is that on the one hand, he will run an ad called The Flag. But then he will turn around and give speech talking about MAGA extremism, MAGA meaning nothing more than make America great again. Right. Right. So to prove that point or the kind of speech he gave at Howard University, which, you know, racially divisive and and, and not tied to reality. And, you know, I mean, Democrats are really going all out to make uh, white people and black people hate each other right now. It's really astounding how hard they're working at that. Um, and and I'm glad that it actually appears to be there. There, I, you know, watching the signals, I think there's a, a core element within the black community that's starting to see that mm-hmm. you know this is what's going on. Yep. That this this wedge is being driven between us. That they're not the progressive activists, um, and and they're looking around, going, wait a minute, why am I supposed to all of a sudden start hating my white friends? It doesn't make any sense to me. And white people in the same boat. And you know, I I just think. When you look at this, people are ready to be friends with everybody again. And Joe Biden and Democrats are just making that impossible. You're um, certainly seeing this in the Republican Party. uh, And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe um, it's going to be minorities within the Republican Party who put an end to this just by dint of Republicans being Republicans. Uh, You saw the election of Daniel Cameron in Kentucky. Um, I I think it's one of the ongoing trends we're going to continue to see. Yes, I think so, too. You're going to continue, actually, to see more and more black people and Hispanic people and and people of color in general. And Indian. Slowly coming over to the Republican Party because their their, um, preconceptions are being slowly whittled away. Um, by the hatred of the left, and their communities are being slow, rapidly whittled away by yeah, the just, policies. Just the of rugs the left. have been yanked out from under lots yeah. and lots of them. Let me pick up on some other things. Nineteen eighty-four ish to today with Sam Stone. We'll be right back. Sam Stone is my guest. Want to do a little more politics and culture and then do a little more culture and politics uh, with him as we uh, as we do. So we'll do our uh, people are responding um, bigly to uh, your restaurant recommendations of the week. So we'll get to those in a few moments as well. But culture uh, and uh, politics in the sense of their relationship with each other. If Joe Biden thinks he can recreate what Ronald Reagan had in 1984. This is a vastly different country. I've been pointing out a lot, when you look at that one-minute ad of Ronald Reagan's from 1984, the Morning in America ad, calm, beautiful ad that it is, 15 seconds, uh, which is to say 25% of the ad, is depicting marriage and church and family. And I was just looking up the statistics. Um, 
church attendance is uh, a third less today than it was in 1984. It's at its lowest t- uh, point ever in America. And, and it's going to continue And it's going to gonna continue to go down. And marriage rates are 40 percent lower than they were today. You think about all the problems we have in this country, seems like trying to think and talk about how we might recombine those things might be a good way to start solving them too. Well, those are huge issues to start solving if you want to address the the central problems in America today. I mean, we've talked about this a little before, Seth. I I don't necessarily believe, uh, you know, as a lapsed Jew, I don't necessarily believe it has to be going to church. It has to be a faith community, but there has to be some community beyond just your own interest. And so whether it's participation in things like the Elks or other clubs like that. But you do um, want a country that esteems and respects religion. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yes. And, and you know, esteems and respects itself mm-hmm. because that's been taken away Good. largely. Um, but but also the marriage thing, I think, is, is the – it's the one actually that government could affect absolutely. positively the most because you look back at this crisis. It has really been driven by the government right. that has created this narrative of single motherhood, that has created programs that trap women in single motherhood. Um, that has stepped in deliberatively to replace the husband in the household. Yep. And look, if we – I'm not saying you throw out all the safety net, but I'm saying if you redesign it to support families first, mm-hmm. not single motherhood. So you know, we still want the single mother supported, but make sure that there's ways that it builds in incentives for family building. Um, that's actually not that hard to do no. in terms of redesigning these right. programs. It that's really right. isn't. And and frankly, I think that would actually be very popular on both sides. The voters, not necessarily the politicians on the left, because they're they're just wacky. I mean, honestly, a lot of the media lying these days, I think, is to protect Democrat officials from their own voters. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if most voters, even most Democrats, understood how ridiculously wacky that their politicians have become, they wouldn't be Democrats anymore. Well. That's the other thing I did want to center on with you for a little bit, Sam, Um, the lying and the elaborateness of the lying and the rapidity and the frequency of the lying. And do we care about it anymore? Does it matter anymore? It matters deeply. We need to care about it. Your monologue today, you were 100 percent spot on throughout that thing. I thought it was one of the best monologues you've ever done. It actually ties to something I was I was working on writing this morning and I didn't finish before you sent that over. Um, and I got a chance to read it before you know before yeah. you're on air here, but um, I was actually writing something very similar. Is look at what Corinne Jean Pierre did the other day. Yeah. She goes up in front of you know in front of the press and she says, "Oh, you know this debt ceiling crisis is on Republicans. They need to take action." Right. Blah 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 blah. This was on April um, May 16th that she she held this press conference. And said this is on MAGA Republicans and extreme Republicans and they refuse to negotiate and they won't do anything. Well, go back a couple of months. Joe Biden says, send me your bill. Pass your bill and then we'll negotiate. Your job was the mantra. Kevin McCarthy, which I don't think Biden expected at all. The White House did not expect. Did exactly that. They passed an incredibly reasonable and limited compromise bill. That Democrats are having a really hard time opposing. Yeah. You know, I mean, because, again, it's reasonable. We're just going to roll back to 2022 spending levels. Yeah. We're going to increase 1% per year until we get our debt crisis under control. Those are the type of things that every family budget in America deals with, that every mom and dad knows. 
And so, you know, the reasonableness of that proposal, I think, has put them in a corner. But th- but they're not in a corner because the press doesn't put right. them in there because right. they accept the lie and then they repeat it. So you have the Washington Post, the New York Times, and from them all the TV networks. Right. That's where they get their stuff. Right. Then the locals get their stuff from the nationals. Right. So it all filters out to the entire country. And what the country is hearing is a flat lie being broadcast by the media, and it matters deeply for the future of our republic. I would think so, as I would think the story of uh, of the FBI would matter deeply, and the New York Times puts it below the fold um, in after three other stories that are far less consequential and about corruption in Turkey, not you know well, corruption and, and, in the and United States. You literally States. have the New York the the leading opinion people for the New York Times, the Washington Post again, and all these others, CNN and MSNBC, and all this. Saying, oh, well, this report is basically not true, right. that it really did happen, and this is just Republicans making excuses. Now, that is the exact opposite. Durham, you know, if anything, was far too gentle throughout this process. And I have said, and people, you know, people got a little extreme. I, I got a little extreme on this. I am hot under the collar about this one. I went out and tweeted, and I stand behind it. That everyone who was directly involved in that deception, who was a high-level government employee, I, you know, treason is a very specific charge in this country, but frankly, they are absolutely deserving of the death penalty mm. because they subverted the Constitution of the United States against the will of the people in positions of power in government. I don't care what law you want to charge that under. Every single one of them actually, I truly believe, should be charged, tried, and executed for their crimes. And I would do it in frickin' RFK Stadium in front of every other member of the FBI. I'd put them all in the stands and say, if you ever do this again, this is going to happen to you. And I know that sounds ridiculously extreme. I know even you're cringing right now, Seth. <laughs> there are never any consequences. There are never any consequences for these government officials making these actions. And as long as that continues, they're going to continue and the lies will continue. On that, we totally agree. That's the problem with the lack of accountability. I mean, there has to be some kind of consequence to this kind of malfeasance, because otherwise it will happen again. I had a caller yesterday saying, what, what, what's going to prevent another October surprise if nothing happens on, on these kinds absolutely of Absolutely nothing. Right. You can right. absolutely guarantee that right now their leadership in the FBI, the NSA, the CIA, and, and the DOJ are trying to figure out how to conspire to get Trump well, right now. Not only that, I mean, Sam, so that was another major story, and we just kind of the only the only way this story is still covered is because conservatives are talking about the liberal media not covering it. Otherwise, R- Richard Blumenthal two days ago said by Friday Durham will be forgotten. He was right. I think Durham will be forgotten by tomorrow. And, and, and you're talking about something that makes Watergate look like Absolutely. a fart in a tornado. But so too does the 51 intelligence officials on the Hunter oh, Biden laptop story, which also changed an election. Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, mm-hmm. a no Republican, no right. conservative right. there. He said it. You have now seen the intelligence agencies and security apparatus of the United States weaponized yep. against the people in two consecutive elect presidential elections. This is so far beyond the pale as to be almost inconceivable to me as an American who grew up in the country that we did. All right. So let me pick up on some of that when we come back and also talk to you a little bit uh, about some fun stuff as well. Sam Stone is my guest. You can follow him uh, on Twitter at Sam the Paul, P-O-L. Uh, And you can check out his radio show heard here every Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. Breaking Battlegrounds. He and I will be right back.
I think this was Sam Stone's favorite band in the 80s. No, 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 no. You didn't ask me about my favorite band. Okay. You asked me who my favorite 80s singer crush was. Oh, okay. These are not at all the same thing. Okay. Okay? Uh-huh. My favorite band that I was listening to in this period was yeah. Aerosmith. Oh, okay. Good enough. All right. Good enough. So, but- mm-hmm. I stand firmly behind, and, and you're crazy on this subject, I stand firmly behind <laughs> Gloria Estefan I'm as crazy. the hottest <laughs> singer of the 1980s. I am not crazy on this. You are completely nuts. This guy literally, folks, he threw out Olivia Newton-John. Olivia Newton-John? Come I, on. I think I said Belinda Carlisle. You also did, but neither of them stack up. Talk to us about food. You always have You're trying to put great... this back on safe ground, aren't you? Well, I just... I'm trying not to get in trouble. <laughs> protecting my right flank. Why on earth do you have me come in the studio with you, Seth? That doesn't make any sense. To protect my right flank. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Talk to me about flank well, steak let, or any other kind of food okay. you want. Uh, you have well, great recommendations well, on let's, let's Protecting your flank, let's talk about this one because okay. here's – I'm going to have to – I'm feeling a burger today, Seth. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm feeling a burger today, good. and I want to talk about two places in particular. Okay. And folks, if you have stuff outside of like Central Phoenix, Arcadia, Biltmore, uh, south of that area, South Phoenix, I, those are the areas I frequent. Mm-hmm. So if you're up in North Scottsdale, North Phoenix, you're out in the West Valley, the East Valley, if you have great recommendations, get on my – look, come on, at Sam the Paul and let me know what they are because yeah. I will drive out for these things. I'll go with him. If they're that good. Yeah, we'll do a road trip. Um, David will go with us too, yeah. But I'm going to hit two burger places here that one, like everybody knows and nobody's been there. Every time I ask somebody if they have been to Harvey's Wine Burger. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of it. I've heard it's great. It's been there since God was a child. Yeah, no, literally that place is older than the valley. Mm-hmm. It was it was here when God built the valley <laughs> around Harvey's Weinberger, yeah. all right? But somehow, yet, yeah, I meet everybody here, and everybody I talk to, when I ask that question, they're like, um, well, I've never actually been there, but I've heard it's great. It is great. It is fantastic. They actually cook the burgers with a they little wine. They cook the in burger them. with a little wine in them oh. on the grill, so it gets that little bit of snap, mm-hmm. little bit, a little bit of a... Citrus, you know, sort of acidic to the beef, cuts cuts the fat out of the meat and the cheese. It is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, nice quick stop, great place to take your friends. Old school feel. Yeah. People will feel like you're bringing them somewhere. It's what authentic. a bar should look like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, you can get a burger and a beer and yeah. still have your guests from out of town feel like you took them somewhere really special. And play a little pool, too, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah good. All right. Fantastic. But then I'm, I'm going to throw out another one. This, hey, I, I, you know, people are going to say you're crazy. I'm going to talk about a, a restaurant, a burger restaurant that's in a Holiday Inn. Oh, okay. And literally, everyone's going to drive past it for that reason. Well, it's part of that Jimmy Buffett song, "Cheeseburger in Paradise." Reminds me of a menu at a Holiday Inn. I think that's a lyric in there, if I'm not mistaken. But I, go ahead, I'm give pre- it a shot. I'm pretty sure they play that song yeah. in this restaurant. Oh, okay, um, right, I'm in. Then I but, like it. Forty Forty Fourth Street and McDowell. Yeah. Uh, burger Theory. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right there. It's in the Holiday Inn that replaced like the standard Holiday Inn restaurant with this and they do breakfast. This is the Holiday Inn that, that once upon a time I think was an Embassy Suites or something like yeah. that. Yeah. It may, it may be it may not be, even be a Holiday Inn anymore. Right. I think you right. know whatever right. the right. hotels right. changed. I know that one. But, it's on the way uh, to the it's on the way to the airport. Yeah, but yeah. about 5 6 years ago mm-hmm. Burger Theory replaced the kind of rundown uh-huh. whatever restaurant there and it is phenomenal. Nice the, to know. I did the, not know that. 
I, I was shocked. I, I literally, the only reason I went in there was because the place that I, I take my car for car washes is right across the street. And one day I paid him to do a wax and buff on it. Mm-hmm. And so I got a couple hours. It's lunchtime. I'm like, ah, you know, what's walking distance? There's only this thing. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be terrible, but I'm starving. I went in. It's fantastic. How often are you going to find a, ho- a, a, a restaurant in the Holiday Inn that's any good? Well, we don't have Howard Johnson's around much anymore, okay, which was and, good. And that is a shame. It's to their shame. It's to this country's shame. One, but one of I, the I'm last gonna... functioning Howard Johnson's in the country was in Lake Placid, New York, oh, where is that obviously right? I grew up for a long time. And so we used to go. That was like – because my parents are big, like Pritikin diet yeah. people at that time, very like low car. You know, not low carb. It was actually high low carb. Low fun is what it was. Yeah, low fat. It was terrible. <laughs> low fun. Low low fun. Um, but so every time we could, we'd you know get someone to take us to the the Howard the Hojos man Howard Johnson's. They had they killed great it. ice cream. They had great ice cream, but you know what was killer there? What the macaroni and cheese with the breadcrumb tops. Oh, fantastic! On it. Oh, yeah. it was killer. I've stayed at two. Uh, the one in Boston, right near Boston University. Yeah, I remember being there when Elvis died. On a oh, summer wow. vacation. I've been to that Howard Johnson's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was now, bought out I, by I'm, BU, I think. It's, it's now, now part of Boston yeah. University. Thank John Silber for that. And then there used to be a Howard Johnson across from the Watergate Hotel. So the first time I ever went to D.C. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Sam Stone and I will be right back. Tried to amend my carnivorous habit. You can do this, Sam. Made it nearly 70 days. Losing weight long speed, eating sunflower seeds. Drinking lots of carrot juice and soaking up race. I should use this as a mic test. I used to do the gambler. I should uh, Kenny Rogers the gambler. Oh, yeah, I no, do this. this is a good mic test. Yeah, this would be a good mic test. I know. I know the gambler better than I know that. Oh, do you? Yeah. On a warm summer's evening. Yeah. On a train bound for nowhere. On a train bound for nowhere. Yeah, yeah I know that. I mean, but that's one of the great story songs. It of really all time. is. It really is. Um, train songs. Devil went we down should to do. We should do. Uh, we should do a day of train songs. Bumper music. Okay, I'm in. You're in. We'll yeah. do it when you're here next week. All right. Let me talk about fictions. Wait, wait. We, yes. Go ahead. Are we going to be able to do Crazy Train? Oh yeah. We can. Okay. Why, we, we can. Do Ozzy that? Osbourne. Yeah. Sure. We're not going to get in trouble here for that. No. I mean, he is a little satanic. It's okay. But it's all right. It, but that a lot of the music should. That song is brilliant. It's all right. We'll use it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Okay. I'll, but I was thinking more like the Steve Goodman kind of stuff and the Arlo. Well, Guthrie I know, but that's why I had to ask. Okay, Arlo Guthrie, he's from your neck of the yeah, woods we're, in Massachusetts yeah. too. Um, Sam, okay, so back to the issue that has been consuming me about things that we seem to just accept, lies we seem to just accept and move on from. Um, we have we have been we have been saturated in lies for years now. Uh, many of them came uh, during COVID. Uh, many of them came from government officials and agencies during COVID. If you spoke the truth, you were censored. Um, this is, you know, something that very few on the left are willing to recognize, save for Robert Kennedy and at least right now maybe 20 percent of the Democratic popular uh, voting populace. I think I, I, his numbers are going to go up, by the I, way. I, I agree. And I think there's an undercurrent there of people who do. You know, they may not be. I think Trump actually limits their ability to come across on this issue right now because they're so offended by him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, if you I mean, really, this goes back pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it goes back to like uh, Charlottesville, mm-hmm. right, with mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the narrative mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. built of mm-hmm. Trump around yep. the speech he gave. Yep. 
Um, it goes back to them having learned that mm-hmm. if they all lie in unison, that the lie becomes the reality yep. for not uh, um, not a significant majority of Americans, but enough yep. that that lets them win. And you know, I mean, if you listen to what they say about Trump, they are, I, I'm not even that big a Trump fan. I think as most people here kind of gotten, I'm, I'm not into the cult of personality thing and. And I'm really policy driven when it comes to politicians. Um, but if you go back to that, um, I, I was hearing a Democrat today who's a pretty reasonable person, you know, I mean, someone I know, this isn't on TV or anything like that, just saying, you know, said to me, oh, well, Trump is, you know, he's a misogynist, racist, rapist, blah, 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 going on all about this. She believed every word of, of what she was saying, and none of it was remotely true. Right. I'm like, look, there's plenty of things you can knock Trump about if you want to be honest and knock Trump for it. But this stuff that they, they this is the into, echo chamber that yeah, and that the, effect, yes. And the left has learned now. I mean, it's really it it stepped over the line. In fact, I I'll have the piece out I was talking about earlier Good. tomorrow. Good. But it stepped over the line from lies to propaganda to agitprop. Right. And agitprop is a very specific tool in the history of authoritarian governments, mm-hmm. right? And that's where they are at right now. Yep. Um, you know, it's it, it is propaganda designed to create very specific violent outcomes among a population, and and that's really what they're driving for right now. Well, that's right. And when you think about the kind of frenzy we are constantly living in, the kind of crisis mode we seem to always be operating in, that's where you get the agit part. They want yeah. us agitated. It's not healthy for a society. No, that's that's exactly right. Um, you know, the, the entire point of agitprop is to drive wedges in society. That's right. That's right. I mean, propaganda that isn't necessarily designed to drive a wedge. It's designed to drive an outcome. That's right. Good. Um, you know, th- that's different than spin, right. which is designed to, you know, try to um, try to get people to see things from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Each one is is slightly nefarious. You know, even spin is slightly nefarious, but it's not. You know, we've got used to that. Then all of a sudden we got used to propaganda. Now we're used to agitprop. Mm-hmm. And it's a very different thing that Democrats are doing. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to them, they, they keep saying Republicans are you know, driving this hatred, this hatred. But if you listen to conservative TV, if you listen to conservative radio like on your program or any of the others on this station, mine, any of the others, you're not hearing hate no. anywhere. You're really not. What we hate is the policies and the outcomes and the things that they're driving. We don't hate the people. Yeah, what and people they're miss- really pitching personal hatred. Yeah, that's what they miss about the conservative movement and the Republican Party and rallies. Their love statements. They're, it's a love affair with America. Yeah, that they have done a nice job of turning into a bitter and angry thing. Trump, Trump did not get hundreds of thousands of people to come out to his events right. because of bitter anger. Right. As much as the left wants to present that, if you go out to a Trump rally. Um, the amount of hope, the joy, the oh my goodness, we can all come together and celebrate being Americans again, and it's okay, and mm-hmm. we're given permission. Mm-hmm. That's what drives that crowd. I think that's right. And the things, so what they do is they, the left will agitate us on things we shouldn't be agitated on, and they will suppress things we should be agitated about. Take 
three people that are incapable of, uh, of, of finishing a thought or a sentence right now, and we just go on as if it's okay. The senior senator from California, the junior senator from Pennsylvania, and the president of the United States. Do you see this, this, this odd rhodomontant uh, series of questions uh, John Fetterman engaged in with the former CEO of the Silicon Valley Bank? It was so incoherent. So his press office sends a cleaned-up version to the Washington Post, and the Washington Post prints the, the cleaned-up clean, right. version. That's actually what offended me even more. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean... Right. No, it should. That, that, that yeah. Been. No. Right. It, so the Washington Post and the New York Times and, and a lot of other Democrat, you know, theoretically serious news, this is what's maybe bothering me the most, is they, even on things that are blatantly, blatantly, obviously bad, wrong, untrue... They will just completely lie and ignore that to spin it into favor favor for the Democrats. They, they are no different than Pravda under the Soviet Union. Well put. Well put. Stay with us, folks. We're going to come back with a concluding thought. Sam Stone and I will be right back. By the way, you um, you have a Substack you're going to publish this piece on? Or? Yeah, the, Breaking Battlegrounds. If you go on Substack, just look up our show, Breaking Battlegrounds. It's right there. It'll also be on BreakingBattlegrounds.vote. Perfect. Sam and I will be right back. Folks, with all the problems, we haven't even spoken about the economy, but the Biden administration, how do you think they're doing with the economy? You think about those bank failures, you think about the stock market volatility. How's that transitory inflation working out for you or even the possibility of a recession here on the horizon? Why Refi has an investment in a portfolio not related, not correlated to any of that, not the stock market not the Fed. It's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, and there is no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio. You're paid monthly and your interest is compounded daily. Why Refi is local. I encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 111 and the 101. I've been there and you won't be asked to sign anything. You won't get a sales pitch. And when you do meet with them, you will see why I trust and like the guys at Y-Refi so much. A due diligence approved firm, you can earn up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10 and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34, 888-Y-REFI-34. Thirty-four, Sam. Uh, your show, three p.m. on Saturdays. Who you got yeah. coming up this weekend? Oh man, Seth, we have we have a huge lineup yeah. this weekend. So we're opening the show with Ted Cruz. Okay, heard of him. Um, and yeah, my, maybe a few people have heard of him. Our other guest, uh, a few folks might have heard of, of two. Uh, current now announced presidential candidate Larry Elder. Oh, wonderful! So, and and then we actually have uh, Stuart Adams, who's yep. the president of the Utah Senate, mm-hmm. Utah State Senate. If you stick around and, and get the podcast segment. We have him on there. He just came back from Ukraine, leading a delegation from the Utah State Senate to Ukraine on a humanitarian mission. Um, So regardless of what you think of the Ukraine war, it's actually really interesting to hear from him because they're not over there worrying about Zelensky and and this. They're they're there for the people. And um, it's really heartbreaking when you hear the stories of what people are going through. I mean, I I think it's it's so hard for the most – most of us here in this country. Well, speaking of lies, I mean, there are lies and there are lies. And one of the lies is that we told ourselves and convinced ourselves after World War II was never again. Never again turned out to be a lie. Yeah, it it did. Um, you know, the the Ukraine war is interesting because obviously they're 
they're as corrupt as the Russians, and there's lots to dislike about both of them, quite frankly. But I am, I have supported our intervention there because I do think that the one thing that came out, and people forget how recent this is, that but but essentially World War II came out, and we said we're not going to let nations arbitrarily invade That's each right. other for land anymore. That's right. Um, and, and actually the Chinese have been ticked about that ever since because they're like, wait, wait a minute. You got to go imperialize the globe and now now it's cut off and you say you can't do it anymore. And they're actually doing it economically in a really dirty way. Um, but that, that really – and I believe that principle is right. Yeah. I believe that principle is right. It's one thing if you get a population to vote. Hey, if look, the people of Ukraine, even a portion of Ukraine said, hey, listen, we just want to go back to being part of Russia. Then you, you should let them – but likewise, you have to respect territorial integrity of nations. That's just a condition of the modern world. It's a leftist notion that lines and maps and borders don't matter, not ours. Yeah, ours matters. Everyone's matter. Yeah. It's, it, they are absolute and cannot be, cannot be breached. Well done, Sam. God bless you all, folks. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth.